If you're new, my name is Brian, and uh, one of the pastors here, and just want to say good morning and welcome. Um, we are spending the summer going through the book of Proverbs and <clears throat> learning what it means to live life well. One short definition of wisdom could be that you have a grip on reality. Do you understand how life works? That you um, are functioning in the realm of God's reality, of what's real. <clears throat> and the, the, uh, the reality is that sometimes we don't. We create our little fantasy lives until it crashes and burns, and then we try again. So this morning, Proverbs, uh, we are going to continue that study. Proverbs um, is acquiring wisdom, the skill of living life well. Said this a few times this morning, or since we've started this, that you can acquire knowledge, you can be successful, you can um, accomplish much in this world and still be a fool, according to the book of Proverbs. And so, acquiring wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, is one of the most valuable things you can have in this world, more valuable than money, than acquiring things the precious value of acquiring wisdom, of, of living life well. And so this morning, we're going to tackle, try to tackle a somewhat controversial topic, and that is what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a man. And thankfully, I didn't have to come up with this information on my own, it's not my opinion, but trying to study what the book of Proverbs says and trying to communicate that to you. So before we do that, though, this is from um, Newsweek magazine. I, uh, if you don't know this, I teach eighth grade American history. And on my wall, uh, I have a subscription to Newsweek magazine. So I have Newsweek magazines all around my classroom. And one of the covers that starts lots of discussions is one called Man Up. And you might even recall, but it's a picture of a man holding a child, his shirt is off, his back facing, holding the child. And the title of it, if I recall, is Man Up. And the authors try to ask, they ask and answer the question, what's the matter with men? This is from 2010. By some estimates, 8 out of 10 jobs lost in the recession were in sectors of the economy that were traditionally dominated by men, such as construction and manufacturing. In 1945, the male share of the labor force was 70%. So 70% of the people working in our country were male. <clears throat> Today, less than half are men. In the nation's largest cities, this is according to Newsweek magazine, the nation's largest cities, the women make more than men on average. Women outnumber men in virtually every level of higher education. The, path, the rate of undergraduate degrees and graduate degrees is being led by women. For every six undergraduate degrees given to women, there are four given to men. And so they talk about <clears throat> the struggle of what it means to be a man of masculinity. The article quotes another woman, Susan Faludi. <clears throat> She's an author on such topics as this, and she writes this talking about masculinity and how it's changing. She writes, their sense of their own manhood, this is talking about men, 40s, 50s, previous generation. Their sense of their own manhood flowed out of their utility in a society, not the other way around. Not the other way around. Their sense of their own manhood flowed out of their utility. So in other words, um, Years and years ago, in my early 20s, I used to do construction. And uh, I had a pair of Carnhart overalls. And I would wear them because, <laughs> because I would get dirty and stinky, and, and I had to use that to keep my clothes clean. Now, I'm a teacher. My hands have become soft. <laughs> and I want to go back and buy a pair of Carnhart overalls and wear them around so I feel like a man. So what she's saying is, here's what she says. She goes on to say, conceiving of masculinity as something to be, a part to play, driving a truck, wearing Carnhart overalls while you turn papers all day, turns manliness into something ornamental. 
and as about and about as masculine as fake eyelashes are inherently feminine. So men, men want to be masculine. Men want to understand what it means to be a, a man, to be a man, but the trend is ornamental masculinity. Wearing jeans with holes in them like you've worked all day and, and years of putting holes in them, but no, you bought them that way at a Costco. <laughs> Uh, if we can, uh, this slide might sum it up. The next slide, my little picture of the day. <laughs> this is what heroes look like when I grew up. There's the man's man. If you are my age and older, you probably have no idea who the guy is on the right. All right? I didn't, all I know, he's like some vampire dude, right? That's all I know who he is. Raise your hand if you don't know who the guy on the right is. Yeah, okay, it's our generation. It's good, it's good. <laughs> All right, and everyone knows the man on the left. That's a good thing, yes. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm not even asking that because I'll, I'll ask you to leave if you don't know the guy on the left. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> All right, we can go back if you want. Thank you, Tony. One of the things that I that I, it's essential that I'm clear on when we're talking about masculinity is that the Bible is crystal clear over and over and over again that genders, both genders, are equal in value. I'll say that one more time. The Bible says over and over and over again, and I'll show you, <clears throat> and I'll illustrate that, that both genders are equal in value. The Bible clearly says there are different roles, but always equal in value. <clears throat> the best example of that is an example from, and I'll just read you the quote just because it's more clear than, than I would say, is the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All equal, different roles. Here's what I mean. In the creation account, God speaks or initiates and leads. The Son, <clears throat> the Son um, carries it out. But creation story is sustained by the Holy Spirit. So the Father initiates, speaks, the Son creates, and the Holy Spirit sustains. Three members of the Trinity, equal in value, but different roles. And so when I talk this morning about masculinity, in no sense, in any way, am I saying that, that males have more value. I'm not saying women have more value. We have to be clear that both are of equal value. <clears throat> So just to bring some clarity to this, masculinity, here's, after thinking through this and trying to study through this a little bit, here's one way to help wrap your mind around this. True masculinity is found in a man's determination to fulfill his God-given role. True masculinity is found in a man's determination to fulfill his God-given role in his marriage, his family, work, and the church that serves a purpose beyond himself. One last time. True masculinity is found in a man's determination to fulfill his God-given role in his marriage, family, work, and church that serves a purpose beyond himself. One of the most necessary traits is the idea of determination. A couple of days ago, Friday, I spent... See if my family's here. <laughs> now I'm being somewhat joking, but somewhat honest. Friday, my oldest son had a junior lifeguard competition, and they said be down there at nine to register or eight thirty, and so we were there. It turned out though that my oldest boy Chase didn't race until I don't even know five or six. I was like, are you kidding me? The whole day on the beach waiting. But one little thing that I took away from it. Um, that's very, that was illustrated by a woman, but that's very relevant for being masculine. And it was this one girl, so there was the, the broken, the lifeguard competitions are broken up into three age groups. And so the A's are the oldest girls, high school age girls. The paddleboard race, grab your paddleboard, run on the sand out to the ocean, paddle around the buoys and come back. You make a loop. Well, this one girl 
hit the water in first place. As soon as she jumped on her board, though, it was completely evident that she had no experience on a paddleboard. Her legs were off on the sides, flopping back and forth. She made a little bit of progress and got annihilated by a wave. Tried again, got annihilated again, lost her board all the way to the shore. By this time, she's in last place by a ton. Tries again, loses her board again. Finally, the lifeguards on the beach said, hey, excellent effort, but you're done. She wasn't going to quit. She was going to grab her board, and she wasn't going to quit. That one, eight, eight hours for me to see that, this one little thing. And man, the, the concern in my own life, and even just for all of us, we quit so easy. We give up. And there's so much we can learn from women. And even just this one story of this one, this one high school age girl. Listen, last place, failing publicly, hundreds of people on the beach watching her. Failed again, didn't quit. Failed again, didn't quit. Failed again, and finally the guards had to say, hey, the race is over, you've done your best, go for another day. Men, we're afraid to do anything sometimes because we're afraid to fail, we're afraid to risk, afraid to grow, afraid to try something where we might do something and fail in front of people. And determination, there must be some strength within us as men to be a masculine man that you will be determined, that you will have internal strength, internal fortitude to fulfill your role in your marriage, in your family, your work, in church. So, let me just, just, and I'll be brief on this. A couple of things, a couple of examples of how men screw up. All right? Number one, number one type, and there are three easy ways to remember, three A words. Number one, you have men that can be abusive, and none of them are going to be swear words, don't worry. <laughs> number one, abusive men, thugs that lead and function by threatening and intimidating people. Men who demean others, put down others, function by intimidation, live their lives through emotional manipulation, abusive men, physical, emotional, spiritual, men who take advantage of hurting people, weak people, those who are easily preyed upon. I think I've mentioned this one before, and I'll be very brief in this story, but one of this prominent memory as a kid mowing the yard, I was 13, 14 years old, and I remember my mom always made me put the bag thing on the back of the lawnmower, so I'd always have to stop and empty the bag. I'm like, this is just a nightmare. So one time, mowing the yard, bag's full, I've got to stop and empty it, and I hear like just this, these weird noises from across the street, and it became louder and caught my attention. So I ran out across the street, and I see my next-door neighbor, an old man. His name was Ziggy, just a great neighbor. And his son was on top of him, beating him up, like literally punching him in the face and literally hurting him. Well, that kind of freaked me out. And, I, and my first response is I just ran to the house and grabbed my dad, told my dad, and um, ran across the street and jumped on him and grabbed him and at that particular instance, was very masculine and manly and <laughs> protected, protect, protected our neighbor until more men came, the police came. And it was all about this. The son wanted money from the dad, and the dad said, I can't do this anymore. You're using money to hurt yourself, to do bad things. And he said, it's over. And the son said, fine, then I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to beat you up. Abusive men. Now, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's kind of a crazy, unique story. Well, statistics don't say that. There are lots of abusive men that beat up on women. Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Manipulate women, manipulate other men by saying, God speaks to me a special word, and you need to do this. Abuse takes place in so many different ways. Abuse is never masculine. In fact, it is strongly, strongly criticized in the Bible. 
So, number one, the kind of men we don't want to be. We don't want to be abusive men. Number two, we don't want to be men who avoid problems. Soft men who always, at every cost, avoid conflict. The perpetual peacemaker over or under any circumstances avoids responsibility, the path of least resistance all the time. The long, hard road is always avoided. Men who just avoid conflict. Anytime there's any tension, you run and hide and pretend the problem will go away. And that is, that is how so many men function. That is, that is a pattern that's been in my own family. If there's any conflict, retreat and drink some beer and try again the next day. Abusive men, men who avoid problems, run and hide, and even taking the avoiding problem to another level are men who are absent. Men who don't want any responsibility. They want to have fun. They want to get your girl, the girlfriend pregnant and then run and hide. Emotionally absent, physically absent, no responsibility, just like the fun. Take something fun until something else better comes along and you move on to the next thing. Abusive men, men who avoid, and absent men. The reality is this, is that because, talking about wisdom, here's what's real. Men, by default, have a natural tendency towards one or the other. Some men tend towards being overly hard. Some men emphasize, have a natural tendency towards being soft. In the Gospel, the book of Proverbs, helps you become a masculine man who can fulfill God's given role for you that serves a purpose beyond yourself. All right, so we'll look at, and I'll try to move along through these, but we will look at four different areas of what it means to be masculine and to fulfill a role. So number one, I think it's on your handout, we'll look at marriage. True masculinity is found in men who are determined to fight for his marriage because of what it is and the value of it. True masculinity is found when men will fight for their marriage. The theme, the theme throughout the Bible, well, I should say one of the themes in the Bible, is the idea of fighting. Is the idea that men must fight. And the New Testament even brings more clarity into that. What are we to fight about? Or who, who are we to fight? What are we to fight against? Romans 8.13 says this, For if, if you live according to the flesh, that old part of you that wants to live for yourself, if you live according to that, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Man need to understand that you must fight to put to death the flesh, the sins of your own self-centered desires. John Owen, a really old dead guy, said this, Be killing sin, man, be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. I was uh, driving this morning after I ordered coffee, and one of the things that on the radio they talked about the super, uh, superheroes like comic convention in San Diego. 125,000 people there. Huge, huge, growing in popularity more and more every year. Everyone wants to be a superhero. They interviewed one guy, and he said, I get to dress up for a, a day and act like I'm a real superhero. <laughs> so, okay. But here's the thing. I was looking on the internet this morning. I was going to show you some pictures of it. And the honest reality was one or two pictures into it, all the superheroes that the, the guys took pictures of were all half-naked women. And I'm not sure what superheroes they were representing. <laughs> but, but here's the point. I, I was I, you have to be done. Okay? You can't. Here's how men justify sin. I'm preparing this for a sermon so I can keep looking. No, you can't. Okay, it's done. So I don't even know, I don't know what else is on there. 
But I'm like, okay, you, you have got to go to battle in your mind, in your heart, and not play games with sin. Write this down in your Bible sometime. This book, referring to the Bible, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. The Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. One of those two things are going to happen. Ephesians 6.17 says this, the war, the fighting theme. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Men need to understand that they need to fight for their marriage. And the fight begins with your own flesh, your own self-centered desires. Men who fight for their marriage understand what marriage is like. Here's a brief, just a couple thoughts on marriage from Proverbs. Proverbs 2.17, and I'm just going to read some of this to you for sake of time, but Proverbs 2.17 says that marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract that can be broken, but it's a covenant that states not only present love, but it promises future love. Anyone can say, I love you today. Of course, it's fun and easy. Your wife is beautiful. She's there in her white dress, and she looks amazing. And you can very easily say, yes, I love you. But if you pay attention to their vows, they are promises for future love. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract, so if one person breaks something that it's, that it's eliminated, you are promising that no matter what happens in the future, to have and to hold from this day forward, not just today, this day forward, we just need to be reminded of this. If you're married, for better or for worse, richer or poor, sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. I pledge my faithfulness to you. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant that can easily, if men don't fight, can easily fade away. <clears throat> all right, here's the good news part of it. Here's how, so number one, and it's all good news, I guess, but number one, Proverbs describes marriage as a covenant. Next, marriage, Proverbs describes marriage as a romantic friendship. Alright? So, if you're married, you can like this part. Proverbs uh, 5.19 says this, that you are to be intoxicated with the love of your wife. Always intoxicated in her love. Drunk in her love. There's love and romance. It goes on to say, and I, I'm not going to read it this morning because I, normally I give a little forewarning, but Proverbs gives some really, if you're married, some really cool things about how fun love should be. Next. That's my hint. That's all I'm going to say. Next. Proverbs 2, chapter 17 says this. That your wife is to be your companion. It talks about being the companion of your youth. Here's the point. Proverbs describe, describes marriage as your best friend being your lover. Your best friend, the journey of life, being your best friend. It's a very unique view of marriage. That you share, that you share the journey of life with your with your lover, with your romantic lover, the one you are attracted to. Lovers become best friends. You share life together. You journey life with the one you love. Marriage is a romantic friendship. But Proverbs is always real. It's always honest. Proverbs 6.20 says this, My son, keep your father's commandment. And forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart and your neck. 
The reason why there's always this remember, remember, remember is because over and over and over again, it talks about the threat against marriages, the threat against adultery, the threat against being divided, the threat against fading away from each other. And so always Proverbs says, remember, 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 bind them around your heart, don't forget, remember, remember, remember. Proverbs 6, 7, 8, remember wisdom. Be on the alert. Protect for your marriage. Protect your marriage. Masculine men understand marriage and fight to protect their marriage. They fight so that their marriage can be a place where people can flourish and grow. A place of peace. A place of laughter. A place of growth. The last thing just helping us understand that, is you have to commit your marriage to gospel reenactment. You have to commit your marriage as a gospel reenactment. And here's what I mean. It's very easy, it's very easy to love your wife or your husband when they treat you exactly right. Gospel reenactment says, I'm going to love you even though I don't like you right now. One of the hardest things to do, and this is where, this is where like all the talk like just doesn't matter anymore. I don't care all the nice little Christian things you can say. Try loving your spouse when they're driving you crazy. When they annoy the heck out of you. And listen, if you're single, all you have to do is live with somebody. Just live with another human being, and they're going to annoy you. It's only a matter of time. And so gospel reenactment says, I am going to love you even if I don't like you. That is only done when you understand first what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. When your life is being filled and led with the Holy Spirit. Love your spouse even when you don't like them. Even when they don't know you. Anyone Anyone can love you. Anyone can show love when the other spouse is showing fun, creative love back. But we need marriages where there is gospel reenactment, where you are showing love to people that don't necessarily deserve it. The failure of men in all this, in the context of marriage, this is maybe aimed more specifically at, at single guys. But the failure of masculinity today is the failure in a lack of commitment. People don't, men, young men, don't want to make a commitment. Men, young men in their foolishness, turn into hyper-perfectionists. They begin to notice and look for and become very skilled at identifying flaws in women. Physical flaws, personality flaws, spiritual flaws. They're afraid to commit to a flawed person. And the insanity of this, here's how, this is why young men need wisdom. It is complete insanity to turn into this hyper-perfectionist young man when you won't even look at your own life, which is full of crap. They want the, okay, they, they want the perfect little girl, perfect body, perfect personality, growing spiritual in love with Jesus, but I want you to get naked with me right now so we can have sex so you can fulfill me. And then, uh, actually, I'm going to change my mind because I don't like you anymore because your spiritual priorities are not where they should be. If there, if there is a time and a place where we would ever practice like church discipline, where I would say, like, okay, you're really not welcome here anymore, it's under those kind of circumstances where that pattern persists, where you can play these games and take advantage of women and if you're unrepentant, that means you're not broken and you see what an idiot you really are and you want to continue in that, that's when I would say, 
and other men would join me and say, this is, you're not welcome here. You're playing extremely dangerous games. You're hurting people. You're manipulating people. You're controlling people. And that's where me and other men in our church would be very strong, very clear, very honest, straightforward, and say, that needs to stop immediately or you are not welcome here. Because that screws people's lives up. Young men have a breakdown in masculinity because they're afraid of commitment. They're afraid to, to marry someone that's flawed. And here's, this, it's just, it's insanity. That's the only way I can think of it, really. <laughs> Look at your own life, young man. I mean, really, who do you, who do you think you are? The pressure, and, and girls need to, like, be in tune to this, too. Don't live under this ridiculous pressure of trying to be perfect in every area of your life. You are marrying a flawed person more than you. And that's, here's the honest reality. Men, once you get married and you like kind of see more clearly, you're like, oh man, way, way, way more flawed than you thought your spouse was. <laughs> and you wake up. You play these games until you finally have a little bit of growth and masculinity and maturity and you see your own flaws. Guys will pass up the most amazing women. There are amazing women, single women in our own church. And I've been married for a long time now, and I, I can tell you there are amazing women in our church, young single women, that would be amazing wives and moms that some of the guys are just going to pass over because they don't fit their perfect paradigm of what they think a woman should look like or be like. And I can only say you're a fool. The Proverbs, the wisdom in this book says you'd be a fool. You're passing up one of the most valuable things in your life. So the failure of masculinity today is a willingness, a lack of willingness to make a commitment, to risk. The general trend today is that young men err on the side of being soft, on the side of fear of making commitments. You want to be masculine, young man? Commit yourself to a flawed person. You'll see how flawed you are, and you will grow, though, as you understand the nature of marriage. <clears throat> All right, so number one, marriage, masculine men understand their role, that they must fight for their marriage that they must go to war to protect their marriage, to deal with their own sin, to create a marriage where your wife can flourish and grow, where there is freedom. Number two, the second important part of masculinity is that men work to provide for the needs of their family. All right, and this will be a little bit faster. Work to provide for the needs of your family. Proverbs chapter 6 Verse 6 says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lay there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. You want to be a masculine man? Be a self-starter. Take the initiative on your own. Don't wait for someone to tell you what to do. One of the most, one of the most fun parts of, um, of my trip to Costa Rica about a month ago with my son Finn, we were walking through these waterfalls one day, and over the log was the classic little story of the ants. And these ants, I think, I forget what they're called, leafcutter ants, I think. These little, you can't even see the ants. All you see are these little green chunks, like flowing in a single little path all the way along. And we get down, look, and our hands and knees, and I'm like, and I knew, I, like, okay, here's the perfect opportunity. Like, here's the ants. No one's telling them what to do, Finn. Look, they're, they're working on their own. They're marching together in order. They're doing it. They, they take the initiative. They're self-starters. Young men, if you want to be masculine. Old men, if you want to be masculine. Be a self-starter. Take the initiative. Again, 
I, I want to be as supportive and encouraging as I can with men, but I see this all the time. Women, women take the initiative and do things. If the, I guarantee, well, based on my life experiences, it's not a scientific survey. <laughs> Trash on the front. A man walks by, eh. Girl, oh, this is part of our church. This is our church family. This is our home. This is our property. I'll pick it up. Make it look nice. No one tells, no one tells them what to do. Go to the ant, you sluggard. A masculine man provides for the needs of his family without anyone telling him what to do. Number two, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, talk about masculine men, wise masculine men, make diligent use of their time. They use their time wisely. They take initiative, no one tells them what to do, and they use their time wisely. This is vital. We are in age when you can waste so much time. Just, and I'm not going to talk about this morning, but there are just so many practical little things you can do to not waste time. But just even thinking through this, uh, Karen's brother is a, uh, he's my age, he's a college professor, and, and he's been thinking about this a little bit, and he's talking about how more and more and more you hear people use the excuse about how busy they are. They don't have time for anything. And the reason why everyone's so busy and has time for nothing is because they waste all of their time doing nothing. You waste your time doing nothing. Being extremely unproductive. You can actually accomplish a lot in your day if you're not easily distracted. And I will tell you right now, I've learned the hard way. I, am, I was the boy in school doing my work, and one little noise, whoa, 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 whoa. Is there something fun happening? I want to be a part. And you have to grow. You have to discipline yourself. And I'm telling you, if you're one of those guys that's easily distracted, break the habit now. Break the habit before you get married, before you have kids, before you have to go to work, before you have to provide for your family. Use your time wisely. Proverbs 4, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 talks specifically about that. Next, Proverbs 20, verse 10 talks about an honest work ethic. Wise, masculine men have an honest work ethic. If you want to know what it means to be a man, take the initiative. Develop an honest work ethic. Work hard. Don't waste your days. You're growing older every moment. Time stops for nobody. And the skill of developing an honest, hard work ethic will carry you for the rest of your life. Last, be honest in your work. All right? So, a masculine man, he fights for his marriage. He protects his marriage. A masculine man works to provide and meet the needs of his family. Quickly, number three, a wise masculine man teaches and disciplines his children. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29 says this, The glory of a young man is their strength, but the splendor of an old man is their gray hair. Young men, strong, active, athletic. That's a good thing. Old men, I think I'm going to supply less hair with the gray hair. <laughs> the splendor of old men is their gray hair or less hair. You need both. You want strong, young, enthusiastic, energetic men. But you need the wisdom, the insight of older men. You should always be combining those. The job of a father, quickly, and I'm not going to read it all this morning, but if you're a dad, Proverbs chapter 4. Let me just read this a few minutes. You need, I need to, if you're a dad, if you're not a dad, learn this because you will be. If you've raised your kids already, learn this and help me, help the other younger dads. Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instructions. Be attentive that you may gain insight. So, the point is, fathers, you're teaching your children what it means to grow in wisdom. 
For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one inside of my mother, he taught me and said, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forsake. Do not turn away from the words from my mouth. Do not forsake her, referring to wisdom. She will keep you. Prize her and she will exalt you. Why? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14, skip, skipping a few verses. This is what it will help you do. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the ways of the evil. Avoid it and do, no, do not go on to it. Turn away from it and pass on. Young men need help. Young girls, young men, children need help. Need their father's help to remind them, to teach them, to instruct them in what is real, what is honest. Particularly in learning how to walk away from things that can hurt you. Young people, they are lacking discernment skills that moms and dads have. Teach your kids to walk away from things that will hurt you, to turn away from evil. If you don't know this, evil's not good. Evil hurts you. Evil hurts you. Evil always looks good. It's enticing. Parents, you must instruct our kids that evil looks enticing. It looks good, but it hurts. Masculine men invest. They are determined to fulfill their role in their lives of their children. It's difficult. It is very difficult. But you must be determined. Like the girl paddler who is not going to quit, you must be determined to invest in the lives of your young people. Last thing. To be masculine means you have a purpose. To be masculine means you have a mission to your life. This is crucial. Um, I had one thing I wanted to read to you. Okay, here's what it is. This is according to uh, one author, Patrick Morley, in a book called What Husbands Wish Their Wives Knew About Men. He writes this, according to a survey. Your husband longs for his life to count, to matter. At the core of every man boils an intense desire to do something, to accomplish something. Your husband is made for that task, a task that has meaning. According to the survey, most men filled in the sentence in this way, my greatest need in life is to live my life with a purpose, to make a difference, to experience a feeling of worth, to have value in life, to feel like you are contributing to life, to be used by Christ in your life, to live my life for God's will. In the heart of every man burns an intense desire to lead a more significant life. And you will only find that when you are determined to fulfill your God-given role. Think, as I think through the life of our church, and I know we are a young church, that, that we're do, overall we're doing well in trying to establish and train up and raise young men to be leaders in different areas. But here's an example that, that our church struggles with, and this is st statistically just always true. If I come up here, and I did about a year ago, and I asked for volunteers to lead the SOS ministry, Not one man raised their hand. Women. Two, two women immediately raised their hand and said, I'll do it. There's something within us that we need to reclaim, reevaluate as men. 
that there is a purpose for your life. That God wants you to risk and grow, to take the initiative, to not sit back and be passive. You have a natural tendency, every man here has a natural tendency towards being passive or domineering. And the cultural trend for men today is that we tend towards passivity. If she's going to do it, hey, it's good. I'm happy. I'll go find something fun to do. That's what we like to do. Men, avoid responsibility, avoid commitment, and just want to have fun. I think Cindy Lauper had it wrong. <laughs> All the boys just want to have fun. Girls, hardworking, college graduates, good jobs, and men just want to have fun. You have to, <clears throat> here's what's real. <laughs> when the Bible says something that's true, that I believe is true about roles, you have to, I ask you to even just consider this. If you are not a Christian, I ask you to consider that when the creator of the universe created men and women different, that he created them with roles, both of equal value, but that your life will function, your family will function, our church will function when you are determined to fulfill your role as a leader, as a provider, as a protector, as a man who will take initiative, as a man who will do things. Listen, young man, old man, it's always better to try something and fail than to sit on your butt and do nothing. We always want this to be a place where men, young men, can preach and fail and say, hey, try again. Who can lead worship and fail and try again? Of course, women have similar opportunities, but there's something within masculinity now in our culture where we are very hesitant to try things. We're very hesitant to commit. We're very hesitant to risk. We're very hesitant to make a fool of ourselves. And so we sit on our hands, passive, doing nothing. <clears throat> you must understand that there is a purpose, a mission to your life. And that means being a leader in the church. That means stepping up, fulfilling your God-given role. We'll finish with this, how you do this. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you like to write down verses or highlight verses, write this down. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he's finishing up the book, and he says this to the believers, to the church in Corinth. Speaking to the man, he says, be watchful. That means be alert. Be alert to the world that you live in. That means... It's not just fun all the time. Be alert. Stand firm in faith. That means there is a confidence about you. Not in yourself or your abilities, but a confidence in the God you serve. A strong man that's alert, in tune to the world he lives in. A man of strong faith that's unwavering, that stands strong when life gets difficult. Not in his own strength, but in the strength of his God. He says, act like men. This is what men act like. They're alert. They're confident in their God. They're strong. There's a strength of character. That's the strong side. Here's this nurturing side, the tender side. Let all that you do be done in love. A masculine man follows the example of Jesus who can show tenderness and compassion and gentleness and love to the brokenhearted, but can be strong, but can be watchful like he was to the Pharisees where he showed strength and he condemned the heretics. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men and be strong. 
Let all that you do be done in love. To be a masculine man means you can live out that tension, that you can live out strength and you can live out gentleness. You can live out strength of character, fortitude, but also tenderness and compassion. And you can see the brokenhearted and how they need gentleness in their life. The path forward in this begins with the wisdom that Proverbs offers and the wisdom that begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of, and the, discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? But God chose the foolishness in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus became low. Jesus became despised and died on the cross so that men can be reconciled, so that men and women of any age, of any gender, of any race can be reconciled to God. And the transformation that happens in men is that they are determined in their life to fulfill their God-given role, to no longer be passive, but to be men of faith, men of strength, whose lives are anchored in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wisdom begins when you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. You can then risk, you can grow, you can be strong, you can be a masculine man who exhibits strength and tenderness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, that your word brings clarity to a confusing topic. So many opinions, so many different perspectives today on what it means to be masculine. Father, I pray for all the men this morning, young men or old men. Strengthen them, build them up, encourage them. Help them to fulfill their role as men in their marriages, in their families, in the church. Father, if any, any of the men here are discouraged and feel beaten down this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen them, give them perseverance, give them endurance. Father, I pray for a strengthening of the friendships here amongst the men, that they would encourage each other as iron sharpens iron to grow into men that love you, love their wives, love their kids, love their church. Father, also I just thank you so much for all the amazing women in our church. So blessed with all of the women here that love you. Thank you for what you're doing here in our church. And I pray that you would continue to protect it and bless it. In Jesus' name, amen.